Welcome to uh, Love Your Brand Live uh, podcast. And I just wanted to talk to some educators. Um, everybody's in different states. And I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on what's going on in the world today um, as far as with schools and um, not so much the negative stuff, but just the fun things that you guys have implemented as educators with the new change with COVID and stuff like that. So I wanted to first just start off with um, Sharon and her introducing herself and telling her, you know, telling us where you are in the world as far as what you're educating, like being an educator, like the state, you don't have to necessarily say the school, but, and what led you to being, becoming an educator? Um, well, loaded question. My name is Sharon Ham. I'm actually Ike's sister. Um, I have been in education for about 12 years. Um, what led me to education? I'm currently teaching in Chester, Pennsylvania, um, in an urban school there. Um, what led me? I was a bank manager for, uh, worked in banking for um, 17 years. And as a bank manager in a very affluent uh, suburban area, uh, I was getting African-American adults who could not read um, or write checks. And so they would oftentimes even um, pronounce things incorrectly. Um, so they would say things like my checkings account and my saving account. Um, there was many times that I was educating them on how to spell the number four and 40 and where to sign and things like that. And so I've never been the kind of person who um, could just hear about something or, or um, experience things and not try to affect change. And so I left my job um, of 17 years to uh, work in the education field. Never thought I'd be an educator. Um, but again, I wanted to kind of get ahead of the future generations that might come up and not be able to read or write. Um, and so essentially, I just didn't want um, more children under my watch to have to experience illiteracy. And so I left my job and I became a building sub for about two years until I finished my master's degree. Very risky decision. Um, but I and I've been teaching now for 12 years. Um, and so, of course, this year is a, is a bit different. I also coach teachers on classroom management. Um, and so that's one of my strengths is classroom management. And so oftentimes I will take other teachers under my wing for a 10 module course where we learn about how to operate in the classroom, particularly for believers. Um, I'm also in ministry. And so particularly for those who um, know God, have the spirit of God. Um, and so we talk about how to implement the um, power that the father has given us um, to command our spaces. Um, and so I deal with that. But as far as this year is concerned, it's a very um, touch and go kind of year. Um, I haven't really gotten to the fun things yet because I'm still, um, like many educators, really just trying to grapple with um, what's happening. Besides education, you still have life that just keeps on lifing, right? Uh, you have so many people around you who are dying and you have um, different things that are changing. I have a son who I'm also concerned about, right, who's starting school. And, you know, so I haven't really thought about the fun things necessarily. I'm just trying to um, figure out how to balance life, how to make sure that there's equity and there's fairness um, in my programming, trying to make sure that um, I don't go blind looking at computer screens all day long 
wrong. And so there are many different things um, that I'm trying to grapple with at once. But I will say that uh, Google Classroom has been um, the Bitmoji Classrooms. Um, is something that I'm really trying to implement where there will be different hyperlinks and games and things like that that students will have um, access to. The good thing about this year is that I'm teaching African-American studies. And so we get to talk about social injustices and things like that, um, that are really at the forefront of so many people's minds, um, students and parents. And so I think the fun part for us is really going to be tackling um, how to get our urban children to really understand what is going on um, systemically, right? What is going on? Um, and then what we need to do in our urban communities to affect change. So, Rashawn, it is your chance, your, your turn to tell us um, what area that you, um, where you're calling from and, um, you know, what led you to becoming an educator? Most definitely. Um, I really, I was really enjoying your sister. <laughs> um, I am Rashawn Faust. I am in Meridian, Mississippi. Um, I have always wanted to be an educator. I was one of those children that loved playing teacher um, and I adored teaching my siblings, it's seven of us, since so I adored playing teacher, teaching my siblings. However, I still felt a strong call um, to business. Um, I actually uh, oversee a financial services company um, and I've had several other businesses that I function in. However, when I got to Meridian, one of the strong passions um, when God sent me here, I was pastoring a church here. And so I got very involved in the community, very involved with um, different things that were going on in the current status of the community and so subbing I started subbing at a school and um, once I started subbing I mean it kind of took off from there and so now I am in my third year of teaching um, I am teaching college and career readiness at a high school and I also am the chairman of the electives department of the school and so it's been very interesting um, and I am looking forward to um, what all the year is going to bring. I mean, one of the biggest things for me um, has been the fact that I am hugely interactive, um, very energetic teacher. Um, and so now discovering that, um, how to translate that level of energy to a computer um, and um, toward my students so they're still emotionally stable, um, educationally stable, physically stable. And so our theme for the year is to protect our kids um, progress in our um, intellect and to consistently produce in our lives. So we're um, yet progressively moving forward to ensure that students are safe, but most importantly, that they're still um, being successful even while they're being safe. So yeah, that's kind of my story and my journey thus far in education. Cool. So um, just a, real quick, I substitute taught uh, like six times and I don't know how you guys do it because I was not paying them no attention and uh, they were high schoolers. You know, I did do third grade and those, those kids are crazy. I don't understand who their mamas and daddies are, but I had to get out of there. Um, but so I, I feel y'all pain when it comes to like structure and stuff like that. Cause I didn't know what the heck I was structuring. I was just kind of like reading a piece of paper and saying, Hey, your teacher wants you to do this. So I can only imagine being the teacher and having to put these programs and the, you know, this curriculum together. So um, Patrice, I, Patrice, I'm sorry, I keep adding stuff to your name. We talked earlier um, via phone, and, and I know you have a lot of passion, but you're, you're a little different. You, you're about to come out of the uh, educating, the educator system. So tell, tell us what led you to educating and then 
you know, kind of give us some um, of your background with why you want to now step out of um, being an educator. Well, I first became an educator in 2007. I had uh, worked uh, and first of all, my name is Patrice Date. I'm here in Texas in the DFW area. And so I went into education as an educator in 2007. I newly graduated and actually had a position at uh, one of the universities here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area working in housing. And it just wasn't where my heart was. Um, I was excited about the opportunity, but the church where I was attending the pastor's daughter had a school that she had established through the church and the pastor said why don't you just come over here and teach some classes and work with the kids until you make up in your mind and it was like once I got in there I really did enjoy working with young people I had had many teachers tell me as a kid growing up oh you make a great teacher I always loved to write write poetry English I was very good writer very good reader um uh, my first love was the arts and music and singing. And my mom was a minister of music, but I always loved music. But but I ended up going into education. And um, and so I, I stuck with it. And I have a similar story uh, to the previous teachers who just spoke. I started out seven. I did it for a while after I had worked that job. And then over a period of time, I decided to go and pursue my teaching certificate and my master's in a dual program here in Texas. Um and I tell you what, I mean, my heart when it comes to working with students, I've worked with a lot of first of all, I do um, English and reading comprehension, but I'm also a foreign language teacher. So a lot of the students who I work with are ESL students, English as a second language, ELL learners. And so I find myself for me as a black woman who uh, my minor was Spanish. I'm bilingual. I, I try to encourage a lot of students about the importance of even though someone else around you may not have the same dream no matter that, you still can make the decision that you want to pursue. In other words, no one in my family spoke Spanish, right? But I saw, you know, the Cosby show with Felicia Rashad. It inspired me. I saw her speaking Spanish and I said, oh, I want to do that. And so once I had the opportunity to take the classes, I stuck with it throughout college. And so I've used that to, uh, and I believe God has used that to be an example to African-American students, but also to my students who are Latino uh, when they say, well, I can't learn English. It's hard for me in this day. And I'm like, well, look, no, I, you know, I didn't have that example in my family. I made up in my mind and I stuck with it. Um, and so I, I love to inspire people. I love to inspire kids and, and motivate them and encourage them. And um, I, I have to be honest with you where my heart is going in this season of my life. I'm on my last leg after what these 13 years of being in the classroom because my heart is moving towards full time ministry. And so I do believe God, that's one of the gifts that he's given me is to teach. But I do believe in my heart that I'm a teacher of his word as well. And so I believe that's the journey that God is taking me on and also with my music ministry that I'm coming out. But I'll still be inspiring and encouraging. I'll just have a different a different audience. Right. Mm -hmm. So. And, you know, um, to hear you talk about um, learning different languages, my nephew, um, yes. my sister, she my nephew speaks Mandarin. Well, he's learning Mandarin. But the fact that mm -hmm. he put that she's instilling that into him to so when he gets older, he can you know, be bilingual and get a, a job next to the next person because he can speak a second language. Sharon, can you speak on why it was important for you to, you know, to have Deuce, need, you know, needing to learn a new language, another language besides English? Um, yeah, quite frankly, because I'm raising a Black king. And as a Black man, 
Um, I understand that I need to be able to equip him with things that will um, not only allow him to compete locally, but to compete globally. Um, as a woman of color who was in the banking industry in an affluent white area, um, when they asked to speak to the manager and my little skinny black self would come out, um, I recognized that many times they would to the teller um, because they were white <laughs> than to listen to me, right? Um, and what I understand is that I have to equip him in a way where um, intellectually, socially, traveling is important to me, um, that he's very cultured. Um, you know, we have a rule in this house, he's six, but I already speak things to him. Don't bring me no woman and tell me she's the most beautiful girl in the world until you have a full passport. I don't want to hear it. We're not even going there. Um, and so I understand that as a black male, I have to have a child who is able to sit next to somebody from Japan, right? And to be able to have the same, if not more, gifts and talents. And also because he's kingdom, I'm raising a believer, right? And so I too am a Bible teacher. Um, and so I understand that what the Lord requires of us as believers um, is to have life and that more abundantly, right? And so I'm not going to preach today. I could, but I'm not. But the word speaks to um, just how much I should be training him up in the way that he should go, right? So that when he's old, he won't only depart from the father, but he will only, he will not um, depart from what his mother and father are instilling in him. And so it's important for me to have him, um, you know, try his hand at everything, right? He's not even a basketball and football kid. We're not knocking it, but my kid likes soccer, you know, he likes gymnastics, you know, because he was exposed at a very early age, um, you know, to things that um, a lot of young black children are not exposed to. Um, and, and it was very intentional, very intentional about, you know, making sure he's not only learning Spanish, but he's learning Mandarin. I mean, come on, what six year old black boy is, you know, walking around talking? He say stuff sometimes. I, you know, I got to listen because I don't know what the brother is saying, you know, mm -hmm. so he's he. And, and I'm just like, you know, it's just amazing that that he's exposed to that. So exposure is important to me. Right. Not just Mandarin, but um, many different things are very important to me. Yeah. And I, uh, and I always brag on the fact that he's six, but he's like reading on a third grade level. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. just give him ahead of the curve when it comes to just his peers, when he's in that that race to win something or that race to be promoted to something. So. Rashawn, um, as a black man, um, what are some of the things as an educator and then also within your ministry, do you do you find that you gravitate to other young men um, that are under your under your care, under your uh, your guidance? What are some of the things that you do? Is that a thing that you do? You find young black men and you take them under like what, what does that look like? Yeah, um, I think for me, um, I actually was able to initiate a program at our high school. The first year I came, um, they asked me, you know, what what exactly do you want to do? Do you want to be a coach? Do you want to be this? Do you want to be that? And my response to my principal was, we've got enough talent on the field. Mm -hmm. We've got enough talent on the sideline. But where we need the talent at, um, in, at this time is in the character of our young men. And so um, I started a program called Elite Men, um, which was tailored toward African-American men. Um, that felt like they were called to be the elite within the school. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think of valedictorians and salutatorians and 
you know, the gifted programs, people automatically think of, oh, the Caucasian children mm-hmm. or, you know, the other the other children. Those are, you know, my, my son ain't in that, you know, he doing good this year. He he, he passed with all these, you know, and things of that caliber. Um, when they think of sagging, they think of African-American boys. When they, you know, think of drug dealers, they think of African-American boys. And so um, I feel like it's, it's, in, it's very important that at some point that we bridge the gap because the, the gap isn't that this is what African-American males want to be. Right. The gap is my daddy wasn't there to show me the difference. And so I feel like th- there's a huge gap in fatherlessness, which is then causing a brokenness in sonship. And so when you have a brokenness in sonship, you no longer get your identity from the house. You get your identity from the streets. Right. And so I feel like um, as a African-American male, um, every day, you know, I would I would dress up days. I didn't feel like dressing up. I would look. And every day, my you so sharp today, Mr. Fowles. Why are you dressed up? You ought to just dress down. And I say, because I need to give you a mirror. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, there's no mirror at home. Mm-hmm. And so many times what happens is we think we're the best thing until we see another thing. And I think that was the thing. If all they see in the mirror is themselves, and they themselves have not reached the potential that they really can be at, then they will forever fail themselves. And so I think that at that point, I begin to, she said something very powerful because that was one of my problems with my, with the current school I'm at. I mean, we're F, we were F school um, and you're telling me that we, can, we can't do nothing. Our children are just mm-hmm. you know, distraught, you know, they're just bad. And my thing is if we don't expose them to something bigger than that, bigger than toxic, they will never transition beyond this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I remember first year at high school, I would hear, um, young females, they would always talk to me about, hey, ain't no men loyal, all black men are not loyal, just stuff like that. And I said, there's no loyalty in your circle. It mm. does not mean there's no loyalty in the world. Right. I said, but because you have not been exposed beyond the world that's been presented, it's kind of hard to be convinced that there's a world bigger than yours. Mm-hmm. And so I feel for me, um, it's been um, undergirding those those uh, young men and letting them understand that it's okay to be strong and weak. Right. I think that has been one of the biggest things because we've been taught not to be vulnerable with our weakness. Therefore, we have also been suffocating our strength because I feel like the strength of a man is also in the weakness of a man. You know, that's why Paul said, I boast in my weakness so that he can become strength in those very places. And so I feel like we have missed a generation um, of African-American men because we told them you ain't supposed to cry. Um, We have missed a generation of African-American men because we've told them you're going to be just like your daddy. If we keep duplicating, the originators will never show up. And so I feel like there is a generation of African-American men that simply need an example and the exposure to expand them into something that's abnormal to the current culture that their families and their households and their communities have developed. You know, I would ask students all the time and I'll cut it here. They would say, oh, I'm a part of a gang. I I would tell them spell gang. And if they started stuttering, I would tell them you should not be a part of nothing you can't spell. (laughs) You know, and and immediately they'd be like, you you don't come for me, Mr. Fowles. I said, no, I'm not coming for you. I'm coming to save you. Because that 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 there shows me that here it is. You're, You're able to say every cuss word. But when when it's time to do the spelling test, you can spell no words. You know, and so making this thing an eye opener to them that, hey, you can be among the elite in the earth. 
You can be one of those that are that are having to do the speech at graduation night. You can be one of those that, you know, have the highest GPA. You do not have to duplicate. And again, there will always be a duplication where there's no level of demonstration. So I, I used to tell my principal all the time, you know, our teachers got to look like what we want our students to be. Right. If we don't look like it, they're not trying to reciprocate it. And so um, I just think that that is a huge part of my heart now. And we're actually currently, me and two other African-American males, we're developing a program called My Big Brother um, Virtual Tutoring because we feel like we have a call and a mandate to aid in this time because a lot of, of African-American children are going to fall behind on this virtual learning because they're more kinesthetic, they're more hands-on, they're used to that, you know? And if we do not bridge the gaps, we're gonna miss a generation that has the potential but did not have the example. So, you know, I have, um, so Patrice, Patrice, I know that you, um, you have a, a thing that you want to do across the nation when it comes to um, praying for, um, for the kids in the schools. And I also want, I want to ask you that, but then I also want to tap into, um, tap into, um, well, wait for her to come back on, but tap into my sister. She actually um, has a, a, a tutoring company and that was birthed out of a divorce, you know, so Rashawn, you're talking about creating something out of out of a need so uh, those two things are in are are of an interest so Sharon I, I was basically saying um before you uh, was cut off we were talking about like the tutoring Rashawn was talking about he's creating a tutoring program and yours was birthed from you know going through a divorce going through your trials and tribulations and finding a out mm-hmm. a outlet to you know to help others and stuff but patrice um if you w- wouldn't mind talking about what you want to do as far as um you know hands across america when it comes to praying for this the students that are going back to school yeah. yes well first of all most definitely i want to make a connection between you know i see i hear so many similarities between i believe it's sharon and then rashawn's story um because what i hear right now for me i hear believers who have committed to pour into the lives of children. And I want to say this before I talk about this vision that God has given me briefly, that we do need believers in the classroom. I believe that, that, that there is a mandate for that where God wants to have the watchmen's on the wall to not just be, not just to be in brick and mortar, but watchmen's need to be on the wall in the classrooms, in the, in, in education. They need to be there because kids do need to see believers. Um, I want to say that when I heard um, Rashawn say something about I came to save you, I was reminded of this as I was telling some other educators about this vision is that we have to remember that Jesus was a teacher. They call him rabbi. And I believe that a lot of times, first, of all, I want to say thank you to these teachers, because one of the things that I've heard in the heart of many teachers is that, you know, teachers get sold under the bus. We get lied on. We get this and we get that. And I told some teachers the other day, I said, well, hey, we have something in common with Jesus because that happened to him. It is not an easy task when you are pouring into the lives of other people because of the enemy comes against that because you're pouring wisdom, you're pouring knowledge for people to live, right, to move forward. And as Rashawn was talking about, uh, so that people can be originals, you know, God is the creator of life. The enemy can only regurgitate. He doesn't have the ability to produce anything new. Um, and so what, speaking of that, and so what the Lord has given me a vision for is uh, we will be doing here in Texas in the city uh, that I live in a 
teach, an, excuse me, an educator's call to prayer. And we, we, we believe the Lord gave it to me and I connected with other educators and ministers and evangelists and assessors. We just believe that if the world can come together for riot and protest, uh, that we should be able as believers to pop up regardless of our vocation and come together for prayer to cover our children, to cover our educators and families and parents. And so we are calling on those in the community, parents, those who just believe in the power of prayer. And we are believing for a national, we're believing for this to pop up like fire, like it did with everything else. We're believing that it's going to pop up from city to city. And we are looking to do a national educators uh, call to prayer, an urgent uh, day of prayer where we just come together and we will dispatch. We're going to convene, but then we're going to dispatch out to different campuses and just go pray. And people are able to pray from their car or they're able to walk the periphery of the campus. Um, but they're going to go and just pray at, uh, at a campus, how the Lord leads them to pray. It's not about politics, race, gender, denomination. It's just people coming together to pray in the name of Jesus over our children, because we're in a state of emergency. Uh, economically, spiritually, we know health wise, but we are spiritually in a state of emergency and uh, our children need us. So, and, and that's great. And I, and Sharon, you also, um, but I think the last three years you've been doing a prayer call with all, people all across the world that, that tune in every Monday. Um, and so you, so that is something that, that I know that you're passionate about. And it's so, it's so crazy that, you know, the two, um, Rashawn and Patrice, I did not know, you know, it was off of Facebook that they tagged you guys and just to know that this must have been God sent because all you guys yes. had the same passion. And I didn't know you guys had like a ministry, like a, uh, um, a background in ministry. Um, I knew my sister, you know, I knew she was going to come with, with that side of things, perspective of, of educating. But it's kind of cool that you go off and connect. Um, so, um, Sharon, as far as... Um, your uh, your tutoring. So you took you took you stepped outside the classroom and decided to then teach kids that you didn't that you did not teach on a daily basis. What was that process like? What was that? What made you decide to go outside of your school and touch other kids that that needs your help needed your help for education? Um, well, ironically, it was not um, it it wasn't necessarily education led. I, as you said. Um, was going through a terrible divorce in 2015. And at that point, I really was seeking God for purpose. And I, I wasn't a barber. I, I can't do hair to save my life. Thank you, Lord, for a boy. Um, I, you know, I didn't have, you know, a lot of trades. I just was a good person who loved God and felt like I was dealing with rejection and I was dealing with abandonment. And so I was really seeking God about what my purpose in the earth was outside of being a mother. Um, I love being a mother. Um, I love being a wife. But I believe that, first of all, I was created to worship God. And so my not just in the church house, right, not just in a shout and in a dance, but I wanted to know what else God had for me in the earth. Right. Like heaven is great. But God, I know you gave me something to do here. And so it really wasn't even like, oh, I'm an educator. I want to go educate children. It was God, show me what else. Um, I am supposed to do. And because I believe in this, this wise, right, I believe we serve a creator who made creation. And so surely he made us creative. That, that's my yeah. belief. And so my thing was, if I have the creator as a father, then I get it from my daddy. 
I stunt like my daddy, right? Um, you know, I get my my thinness from my father and, you know, I get some things from my mom. But when we think about our spiritual father, I'm like, Lord, you put something in me. And so now show me what I already have in my hand. And so that's where my tutoring company came. I was literally sitting at a Starbucks for six hours, staring out the window, like begging God to download. Like, God, I'm shutting everything off. I just want you to talk to me. And it was in that moment that he showed me um, that I was in education and I had the gift of influence. And so he started dealing with me about influence first. And, and I think a lot of us, we love talent and we love master's degrees, which I have one. I think it's great. They're doctorate degrees. That's wonderful. But the Lord has a way of blowing on those who have the gift of influence. And everybody doesn't have that. He has not given everybody the gift to, um, to have relationships. And because I have relationship and trust and integrity, I was like, you know, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. And so I just started to, you know, throw it out there. And people were like, you, you always can put your hands on my kid. Like, what, what do you need, you know, me to do? And so I actually have a tutoring company where, you know, we start, we pray first before we um, even go into um, lessons. And people already know I'm coming from a kingdom perspective, right? And and I even had to deal with that because I'm like, Lord, you know, am I going to make money if I go in the name of the kingdom? And he's like, I'm your daddy, right? Like, you are going to do what I've called you to do, period. And I'm going to blow on it. And he has. He's just been amazing. Um, I have 20 clients you know, now outside of, you know, what I do, but it really came from a personal tug at the father's heart to really um, download in me what else he has called me to do in the earth. And then the Lord just started to to blow on that whole thing. And so I actually have a, um, a high Ethiopian population. Um, and so one thing about the Ethiopian community is when they find one they love, honey, they pass you around and they don't want anybody else. And so 80% of my company is actually um, with the Ethiopian community. Um, and so, you know, I've been very fortunate to even be cultured in that way, right? Like the Lord even opened up a way for me to um, even see how others live, right? And he, so as for as much as I'm educating them, they educate me. Right. In a way that that humbles me and it keeps me right. And, and it actually helps me to teach even our American children. One thing I, I stress in my classroom is that, you know, some of our American children are some of the most spoiled, um, ungrateful um, people. We, we, we really believe that we can go into our refrigerator and food should be there. We should go and turn our water on and it comes. But I've spent time in third world countries in huts for eight days mm -hmm. where we had house lizards and very little plumbing. And you better not try to get water after eight. And I used to travel to stay with the people so that I could really get an appreciation, right, for for what I actually have. You, you know, so so there are some things that don't bother me as much as it bothers other people because I've learned to go out and understand that the world is more than Philly. It's more than Delaware. It's more than all of these little states that I've been in. But there is a big world out there um, <laughs> that I think, you know, I even stress in the classroom. But the other thing, and I'm going to stop here, is that I also am a representative of Christ, even in my classroom. Do I teach Jesus? Yes and no. I don't necessarily say his name, but there's right. something about the anointing of, I'm not, I'm not going to get started, but there's something about the anointing of mm -hmm. God that where even teachers, I pray in my room every morning, right? When we were in the classroom from eight to eight 30, where I would have teachers flood my room 
and we would close that door and we would pray. And my principal couldn't pray with us, but she was showing enough understand that there's a God in me where people were dealing with cancer and divorce. And she would send them to my room and say, you know, well, Ham is praying this morning. And so it just just even, you know, that kind of stuff that that I just am. I don't even know where I'm going. I got so excited about that part of it. But but there's an anointing on those who God has. And, and, and we were just talking. Um, there is an important um, responsibility of the believers to not um, drop the standard just because you're working in the classroom. If anything, we really should be using this opportunity um, yes. to touch. And we think about even the spiritual gifts, right? And, and I teach that even in my, my coaching for, um, you know, God has given us revelatory gifts. He's given us so many things that we can activate in the classroom without putting a Jesus sign up on the wall. You can just be it. And my kids, I, I'm amazed at, you know, the, the things they want to listen to worship music. They, they want to pray before they have a, a major test. I watch them write little prayers on their tests because they understand that that's who I am. And so I find that even some of my little demonic kids, those be the ones, they know most of the, you know, yes. they, know, they know all of the lyrics <laughs> to the song. And I find out that your grandfather is a preacher. I find yes. out that you're rooted, right? And so mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful thing how I'll see even my most challenging kids who will be like, Miss Ham, can you put on that? They got some old stuff though. Take me to the king. If I hear that one more time, I said, there's so much music out here. But you know, I play it. Can you play Take Me to the King? Can you, you know, they, they request it. And so it's just so amazing that they respect the God in you. Um, and, and you don't have to necessarily walk around, you know, telling people to come to Jesus. You, it just is who you are. Right. So when you allow God to breathe through you, um, people line up and even the enemy bows. I mean, there are times and I'll, I'll stop after this. But there are times even in my classroom where I I've never been afraid of demons. I've, 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 I grew up in healing and deliverance. Um, I've never been afraid to speak to the enemy. Um, of course, I would never call a kid an enemy. But I have certainly in my classroom said, listen, there's an enemy in this room. And it wants me. And what I'm asking y'all to do is to let me handle it. I'm a big girl. I can't. And I will watch that thing slither. I, I'm telling you, I will watch it come subject to my authority in the room. And I wouldn't address the kid because I understand that many of our children are coming in with six and seven different people on the inside of them. Much of it mm -hmm. is, is not even, oh, the kid is bad, but how many people are they living with on the inside of them, right? Where I just have to command um, my space. And, and so it's just been, that wasn't even your question. My, to answer your question, I did not come based on education, mm -hmm. my whole my whole tutoring company was based on purpose <laughs> and really asking God to show me what that was. Y'all see what I got to live with? This is, this is. <laughs> you know what? Good. Listen, okay. listen. <laughs> no, she didn't really do some tag team preaching. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. But she's so, speaking truth because she, you're talking about spiritual DNA, sis. I, even what I heard with um, uh, uh, Rashawn, you know, man, wow. You got me excited. I'm like, Lord, do I need to leave? No, but he already told me. <laughs> He already told me new day, new dawn, new direction, but it excites, it does excite me because that's true. There's warfare in the classroom. And I think that if I can say this, if it's okay, real quick, I to, mm -hmm. to what to Sharon was speaking and even uh, Rushon, um, uh, that, that, you know, when we go into this territory, this is a secular system. And I've shared with other uh, educators that I feel like, you know, we, we are looking for God to be in a place. We're looking for the world to provide Jesus into a secular setting where I, I, I'm not expecting the world to provide or offer Jesus. 
What she just said is that we come in shining the light. We come in showing Christ, showing who we are. And you're right. When you have so many kids that are dealing with different issues, they're bringing those different spirits into the classroom. On top of that, now you have to deal with standardized tests. You have to deal with tutoring. You have to deal with different personalities of administrators and coworkers, colleagues, and whatever you also were dealing with that that's why it's important to know that passage of scripture that says for we wrestle tonight was at Ephesians 6 yeah. against flesh and blood, right? But against darkness and principalities. Because again, I say Jesus was a teacher. And I just believe that anytime that you are that you have a, a call to help people to come up out of a pit, to help them to go to the next level, I just think the enemy naturally comes against that. The enemy does not want uh, people to succeed. He does not want people to rise against systems. As she said, systematic and systemic this and that uh, uh, but but I do believe that teachers are agents of change I believe that we're gatekeepers I believe that the role that we play is very detrimental and and not even just in compulsory education but even for adult learners because I'm going to say this and I'm going to be quiet there are many people who because they had a bad experience in their childhood uh, you know they're, they view education a certain way and, and so you see parents I don't know if you all have experienced this, but you see parents who kind of come with a hardened heart towards educators. And I, and I thank God that I've had that opportunity to soften some parents' hearts in how they view. I found myself not only talking to a parent about their child getting tutored, but then I found myself talking to parents about how they could go and learn English or how they could go back to high school and get their diploma. So it is a ministry. It is definitely a ministry. And I'm, I'm excited to know that there are people in other states that have the same heart and have had the same passion, you know, because sometimes you feel almost like you're alone. Right. Yeah. But this is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Rashawn, um, do you have Rashawn? I'm sorry. Do you have anything you want to close this out with before? Um, and then after that, everybody can give their uh, their Instagram or their how to contact you for further with programming or tutoring and stuff like that. I think, um, man, I'm fired up. I've, I've just kind of been like um, sitting over here. I wish somebody was sitting on me because I done got up like three times and walked around this table. But I think that um, a lot has been said. And I tell people all the time, the advantage of being a teacher is being prophetic. Because if you can see the future of a child, you will be easily able to identify the demons that they bring with them. And I think that was one of the greatest things because when I got into the classroom, every time I start a year, I literally, my first day, I, I go in and I hype and I tell my children, we don't write, we don't write um, referrals in this class. Boy, everybody looking around, they'd be like, what? You don't write referrals in here? We're excited. And immediately what happens is it confronts any agenda that was preordained mm -hmm. to transpire. And immediately what happens is I, I told one of the teachers, I said, the reason none of your babies are grabbing your content is because you never confronted the crisis in the baby. Most of our children, when they come, um, she said something powerful. They come with multiple people in them. They're either the eight year old that was molested by mm -hmm. their daddy or they're the three year old that was abandoned by their mother. And so they can't grab your content if you don't confront their crisis. And I feel like building rapport and relationship, I feel like has been one of the biggest weapons of deliverance that I've used in my class. And I love the fact that she said, I never used That's Jesus, it. but he showed up. 
I, I, I resemble it to the book of Esther. You don't see God's name, but you see him everywhere in the book, you know, and I feel like that that's been one of the tools that I have used in my classroom um, where my students understand, hey, and, and I, what I love is God will allow your standard to be and speak so loud that your children will defend your integrity. There'll be children that will walk that's in funny. trying to cuss. And they yes, say, don't, don't do that in Mr. Faust's room. He don't, he don't do that up in here. You know, and so I feel like he literally would he would he would allow certain students to gain a level of deliverance from you um, in order to become your border from those that don't know what integrity looks like. And so I feel like that God is just raising up. And I was telling a teacher, I said, we've got to restore the mountains of influence, because many times we look at that text that says we have faith to move mountains and we literally always associate mountains with situations. But mountains also represent influence. So if you're telling me you're a teacher, but you're not moving or nothing, I'm kind of second guessing if you're in the right field. And I feel like that has been a damaging part of a lot of our children is we got a lot of people that have become hungry for their check, rather hungry for the future. And they have become teachers out of obligation, not teachers out of purpose. And therefore now our children are not getting, Lord, thank you, Holy Ghost. They're not getting their authentic deliverer because if I feel yes. like teachers are a deliverer, you should leave, move me out of Egypt in that particular sector of my life, you know, and from faith to faith and from content to content and from glory to glory. So if you can't move me, you're probably mm -hmm. not called to me and you're doing it because mm -hmm. you're trying to pay your bills rather than trying to get yes. me from Egypt to Canaan, you know, and I feel like that is a huge dilemma is that education has become so desperate that we've hired our pharaohs instead of hired our deliverers. And now our children are in more bondage than they are liberty. There, it, it, And so I feel like God is literally, he told me I would bring revival yes. to the education sector. I'm going to bring revival to administrations and to districts. I'm going to bring yes. revival on campuses because I feel like we're missing revival because we have limited revival to our churches. And our babies yes. need revival on their campus. You know, our babies Ooh. need revival at our football games. And so I just believe, <laughs> I'm going to stop here because I feel a prophetic oh on me. I just believe that God is getting yes. ready to set deliverance oh behind the desk. He is about to set deliverance yes. in front of the board. Yes, yes, He's yes. about to set deliverance yes. on ministrations. And the Lord began to tell me, he said, there's a there's a serpentine spirit that is running rampant, even Ooh. in superintendents that are holding certain districts hostage Ooh. to certain demonic dilemmas and barriers for the funding of the people. Lord, thank you, God. But I believe God is about thank to release Jesus. funding based on our freedom, right. not on our abundance. I believe that's the season we're in. And so I'm just elated. Thank you so yes. much for having me on this call, first of all, because I've been getting um, refueled from the, the women of God as I've been on here. But I just believe this is a pivotal time that we've got to see education as a ministry and not as a pay. And the moment we see it as ministry, we will do as such. We will minister, you know? And, and, and I, 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 this is the last thing. Every time I sing Jesus teaching, he was teaching out of a ship. Mm. And that really bothered me because I'm trying to figure out why is he always teaching out of a ship instead of a pulpit? Mm. What well, we're fighting over nowadays. And he said, because pulpits mm. are not mobile, only ships are. Therefore, I feel like teachers should be the mobility of mm. generations. 
Every child they come in contact with, their lesson plans should make that child yes. mobile. That, that conversation should make that child mobile. And so I feel like God is stepping into the ships of teachers in order to bring them into alignment and agreement with the mobility of the future of this generation. And so I've just been praying and God had me to even um, give some prophetic counsel to my principal that this would be a year that if we were not careful, we would see the rising of suicide wow. amongst educators. And we had to really begin to build a hedge around the mind of the teacher so that it does not return to a mind of a student. And so I really believe God is doing something um, prophetic this year in education. And this has revealed that America is behind in the educational sector. And I feel like we've got to catch up in some major areas. Um, again, so where can so we, where can we, ed, um, but say, where can we educate you? Where can we find you, um, contact you, the people, people that are listening? Yes, most definitely. Um, you can find me on Facebook, very prevalent there, Rashawn D. Faust or Rashawn D. Andre Faust on Facebook. Or you can find me on my business website at www.legacylifeadvisors.com. Um, those are the most uh, frequent platforms you can find me on, and I'll be glad to aid you in any um, possible. And uh, Sharon, where can people find you? Well, on the floor after this call, I mean, my Lord, I mean, go <laughs> <laughs> find me on the floor, honey. I this was just like I didn't expect all this here. I was, I wasn't even feeling good. Um, before and I started to say, you know, I can't make it today. I've literally been in the bed all day. I, I had to crawl out the bed to even make this call. But the joy of the Lord is certainly my strength tonight. And so I just feel like I could run a marathon now getting off this call. And so I'm grateful um, for the spirit of God that rests even um, on this here anchor app. I, I love God because he has the power to transcend um, and to be omnipresent. And so I'm just grateful for that. Um, I want to, before we get off, um, just for any educator who might even be listening back to this, um, he says something so amazing. Um, my principal and CEO, actually, when they were trying to figure out, you know, what to do virtually, um, the gift of influence, the spirit of God, um, had her call me at nine o'clock on a Monday night. Um, just to get, you know, my feel and my take because she trusts. Um, and thank God she's a believer as well. But she was able to tap in and say, listen, Ham, what are you seeing? Um, and I was able to even discuss with her, even prophetically, what I see in the months of September, October, and November in particular in regards to our children. Um, and she was able to make the call that we're going to go virtual. And so it's just amazing when you have a relationship uh, where they can tap into you spiritually and say, listen, off the record, off off their record. Let's get on our record. What what do you see? Like, what is it that God is showing you? And so, I want to for any any uh, educator who is a believer to really activate what God has put on the inside of you. When He says to speak, speak, because the words in your mouth could make a break, right? The situation. A lot of times we're 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 not confident enough in the Father to to believe that when He gives us a word um, to release it. And many people have died. Generations have suffered because people 
um, were too afraid to speak what the father said speak. And so I just want to encourage anyone who might be listening, who is a believer, and you know God is pulling on your heart to release. I promise you, once you release it, um, you'll be better for it. Your children will be better for it, right? Um, And sometimes it does feel like strange fruit, right? Like, God, you want me to tell her what? Um, But then when the Lord does it, you know, they're able to say, you know what? The Lord has been dealing with me about the same thing. And so I thank you for the confirmation, right? And so I just want to encourage believers to really stand on the wall, right? This is the time to to get behind the Father. Mm -hmm. He's got our back. I believe that. I believe he's looking for those who will operate in spirit and in truth and those who will um, have a Holy Ghost boldness about them so that, you know, they they can do what the Lord has called us to do in the earth. And so you can find me um, Mm -hmm. under Sharon Carlton, actually. Facebook uh, has not allowed me to change from my marital name, but I have so much going on there that I have not um, switched over. I can be found on Sharon Carlton or at my name, uh, my name underscore is victory on Instagram as well. Um, and so I am very visible on Facebook. Um, and so that's probably the best way to reach me. All right. So we have about 10 minutes. So Patrice, can you tell us where we can find you on social media and email website? Yes. And so I want to say also, again, thank you uh, for allowing me this opportunity. I'm so excited. I'm 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 ignited. And I want to say this for me, too, in listening to uh, Pastor Rashawn, I'm going to say Pastor now, Pastor Rashawn and, and, and Sharon. And I want to say that you all have confirmed that that is a God ordained thing. I already knew God had told me it's what he wanted to come to pass, but to have this educator's call to prayer, um, because I keep hearing the Lord say, don't just stand idly back and just complain and talk, but do something, take action. So I'm excited about that. Um, I want to also share that I, one of the things I've tried to encourage students is to know that uh, God doesn't give us, well, I've shared with people that, you know, God doesn't give us lane. I believe lane is man-made and it's limited, but he gives us territory. And, but I do have wanted to let students know that they are not in a box and that they can have multiple gifts just like David did as well. And so um, ways that people can communicate with me, I'm actually also an independent gospel artist. So my email is Patrice Day music at outlook.com. That's P as in Peter, A as in Apple T as in Tom R E E C E Dade D-A-D-E, music, M-U-S-I-C, at outlook.com. They can also um, connect with me on Instagram at lowercase I am Patrice D. That's P-A-T-R-E-E-C-E-D. And that's on Instagram. And then my Facebook page is Patrice Day, P-A-T-R-E-E-C-E-D-A-D-E. And so those are the ways to, uh, to connect with me. Cool. I want to thank you guys. I, I I thank God for bringing you guys together because I didn't know that it was going to be this impactful. And the people that are listening are are getting that word and and getting a clear, probably getting a clearer understanding of their direction in life and learning and stuff. So you know that's what this is all about. Um, talking about things that people are questioning. So I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me. And um, you know, let's all stay connected. Of course, I'll connect you guys off of this. So y'all, I, you know what? It's a text that you guys could get everybody's number from. So I just want to thank you guys once again. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. <laughs> All right thank bye-bye. you. Peace. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye, guys.